Hello and welcome to the Value Pricing Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Wickersham. I'm a chartered accountant, public speaker, and value pricing expert. In fact, I'm obsessed with value pricing and helping accounting professionals get better prices, being more valuable to their clients, make more money, and of course, have more fun. That's why I've spent over two decades teaching accountants and bookkeepers how to value price their services. These episodes are recordings from my live training sessions where I'll be teaching how to price your services, how to win more clients, and how to run a more profitable accounting firm. So one of the questions that that I get frequently from people is, so Mark, tell me, how do I know when my prices are correct? And actually, it's a really simple answer to this. The answer to that question is, you can't. You can't. You'll never, ever know when your prices are correct. Uh, there's, There's no way of doing that. So I guess that's the end of the session because there's nothing more really to say. Well, we can do. I'm going to tell you why that's the case, but also there's the good news. Um, there is actually some positive comes from this. Um, we can't we can't find out when the prices are, are right because there's there's no such thing as the right price. It simply it simply doesn't exist. Um, that's the bad news that we we can't know. But there is some good news that comes out of it, and I'll come on to the good news in a, in a short while. And um, at, at the end of the day. There are a number of reasons why you cannot know what the right price is. Uh, pricing is changing all the time, and I'll give you some some reasons for that before we then get into the strategies of what we can actually do. I mean, if you think, for example, think about the airline industry. Uh, the airline industry uh, uses really advanced software to calculate prices, but the prices are changing not just daily, but hourly. They're continually changing. And you, and perhaps you've experienced that. You've gone online to book a flight uh, for your, your vacation. You've gone to book a flight. You've gone on looking for the best possible flight deals that you can find. You find one that looks pretty good, but it's not quite what you hoped. And then you get called away because you have to cook the dinner and uh, and you forget about it. And then you come back the next day, you log back on to the same airline to check the flights and the prices have gone up. How annoying is that? That happens so often that we find that the price has then gone up. Uh, and that's, that's what the airline industry does. Because what the airline industry is doing is continually, continually testing their prices. They, they have this very complex advanced pricing software they use uh, to use. They use something called demand-based pricing. It's a form of pricing, which essentially means the pricing is continually changing all the time because what they are looking to achieve is to maximize the total revenue from every single flight. And the software does that in very, very clever ways. So the airline industry are constantly changing the prices because at any point in time, there's no such thing as the right price. They have to keep changing and testing. So let's look at some of the reasons for for this. And really, some of it comes down to what we learn from a branch of psychology or branch of science called psychophysics. It's been around now for over 100 years. And, and what psychophysics does is it looks at how we as human beings react to, to different stimuli. Uh, and one of the key findings that comes out of this branch of science, out of psychophysics, is that as, as humans, we are, when it comes to our senses, we are clueless about uh, absolutes. And they talk about things like, sense of smell, sense of color, sense of assessments of weights. And what that means is that if we are shown 
two different colors, perhaps they're similar, two shades of red, we find it, we, we wouldn't be able to say which, what is the actual color of red, even though there is a color scale, whether that's CMYK or RGB, there's, there's colors, there's scientific scales behind colors, but we don't know the absolute. We can't look at a color and say, ah, that's a, uh, that one's um, 6F2B13. Um, we just don't know that. But what we can do is we can look at those two, two different shades of red and usually have a pretty good guess at which one might be the darker, for example, which is the lighter. Similarly with weights, we might have, if I, if I gave you a, a box and said, tell me what the weight of this box is, you'd probably have no idea whatsoever. But if I gave you two different boxes and, told, and, and said, which of these is the heavier, you'd probably be pretty good at that. In other, so in other words, what psychophysics tells us is that as humans, we are clueless about the absolutes. We don't know the absolutes of anything, but we do know relatives. And what they then have found is that it's the same with price. With pricing, we don't know the absolute of anything. We don't know the price of anything. We are, we are as customers, completely clueless about price. Uh, not just us, but that also means your clients are customers of you. Your clients are clueless about price. They have no idea what the, pri- the right price is. Uh, no idea. And, and so what we do is when we see prices, when we are in buying mode, when we're a customer and we see prices, what our brains go away and do is, is to go and look for some sort of comparison because we don't know the absolutes of anything, but we are good with relatives. We go and compare things. It's sometimes subconscious. We don't know it's happening. And your clients are doing the same thing when they're seeing your price. They're going away and making some sort of judgment based on a comparison. And actually, when we think about it, unlike some of the other things that have been studied, the sensors in in psychophysics, where there are formulae, there's no formula for price. In other words, if we look at the temperatures, we know there's a scientific scale for temperatures. We know there's scientific scales for measuring weights very precisely. The same with things like colors. But with price, price is just an arbitrary number. There's no science behind price. There's no formula. There's There's no way of saying, this is how you calculate the price if you're going to launch a brand new product. When, when Steve Jobs launched the iPhone about uh, just over a decade ago, there was no formula he could use to say what should be the price of a mobile telephone. It's, there's, there's no science. There's no formula. It's just an arbitrary number. We can never have a formula. And what we find with price is that really price is a feeling. What happens is because there's no because there's no scale, there's no science behind a, a, a price, there's no formula. When we see a price, what our brains go and do is they go away subconsciously and they come back and, and, and come back to us with a feeling. And so when we see a price, that feeling might be, that's expensive. Or that sounds like a, like a great deal. That's a good price. It's a feeling that comes back. We replace the number, the price, with the feeling it gives us. It's a good price. It's a bad price. That's a ripoff, whatever it might well be. So price is a feeling. There's no science. There's no scale. There's no formula. It's a feeling. And so price is very much about judgment. And that's one of the frustrating things about pricing. One of the reasons why people find it so difficult is because it is just so subjective. You can't calculate it uh, and, and know that it's right. What we find is that price depends on so many different factors. Prices change continually. Going back to the airline industry, it's changing hourly. By the minute, they're changing prices because they have to, because there's so many things that impact on what the price right might be. So let me give you some of those things. Let me, sh- let me go through a few of the things that might impact on price because some of these will help you when you're thinking about what prices you should charge. So I'm going to go through... 
I'm going to go through some of the factors, some of the things that impact on what impacts on price. And then what we'll do is we'll, we'll move on to the good news. The good news being, okay, so given these challenges with price, given the fact that uh, nobody knows the price of anything, there's no formula for price, given all those challenges with pricing, so what can we do to help us get better prices? And I'm going to go through some strategies with you. But before I do that, let's look at what are some of the things that determine or, or impact on price. And so the first thing we should think about is uh, e- economists. If you study classical economics, economists teach us about the law of supply and demand. And in classical economics, which I studied at, at school and my university degree was in economics, the key thing they teach you in economics with supply and demand is that market prices are where the supply curve and the demand curve intersect. So when you, when you plot your supply curve, when you plot the demand curve where they intersect, that's the market price or the equilibrium price. Now, unfortunately, of course, in the last uh, few decades, the behavioral economists have come along uh, and actually dispelled a lot, of the, 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 a lot of the previous assumptions that were made by classical economists. And so uh, one of the things we do know is that there is no such thing now as a market price or an equilibrium price. But nevertheless, we can still think about the laws of supply and demand because they still have some relevance with, with looking at that side of classical economics. For example... From a demand point of view, uh, a lot depends on things like seasonality with some businesses. So with some of your clients, the, the price will depend upon the seasons because if you've got a client that sells ice cream, then they will probably find that in the summer months when it's warmer, then the demand for ice cream goes up. And when the demand for ice cream goes up, you can charge higher prices. In the winter when nobody's buying ice cream and demand comes back down again, you have to reduce your prices to make sales. So seasonality factors can have a real impact on the demand from customers of what the price might be. And to some extent, that does impact on the accounting professional. And and I, I found when I ran my accounting firm, for example, that some times of the year were quieter than others and some were busier. I tend to find that August was often quiet because a lot of my clients were away on on holiday. Uh, I would then find that it was also quiet February, March time, because in the UK, a lot of his clients' financial year ends are 31st of March, 30th of April. And so it would then get busy in May, June, July, quiet and down. It would then get busy because of tax season. So there would be this seasonality. So we find that sometimes seasonality can impact on demand, and therefore that could impact on the price. And now another thing that impacts on demand is, is a sense of urgency. People's need for something. As that increases, then people are more willing to pay higher prices and you can't charge higher prices. So let me give you an example for our accounting profession. There are, there are certain services that we offer where they're at certain times of the year, there really is a huge sense of urgency. Uh, tax returns is a good example. As we get into tax return season, the closer that we get to the, the filing deadlines, then those clients that have left things right to the last minute have a greater sense of urgency because if they miss those deadlines, they then get penalties, interests, possibly possibly a higher uh, risk of perhaps being investigated at some point. And so that sense of urgency means that there is a greater need to have their tax return prepared. And so one of the things that we can do as a, in the accounting industry is we can change our pricing to reflect these sorts of factors. And one of the things I've taught for many years when I teach how to price tax returns, for example, is why not 
have your price rise during the course of the tax year so that those people that bring it in later that expect you to rush at the last minute and get things done, they can do that, but they pay a higher price. And then what you do is you give your clients a choice where they can choose whether to pay that price and therefore have the freedom to bring it the information information in whenever they want. Or if they want a lower price, they can have that, but they must bring in information earlier when normally there's less demand because demand is higher as we get closer to filing deadlines. So demand is a big factor. There's a number of things that impact on demand, and some of those things will help you with your pricing. Now, equally, at the other side, we have supply. And what that says is that the more suppliers there are in an industry, the more suppliers, the more people supplying something, the more price comes down. And so one of the things that might impact on your pricing is how many other accounting professionals are in your community? If you are in a, a small town and you're the only accountant in town, then that's fantastic because you've got, there's less supply. There's just you and you've almost got a monopoly. You can almost charge what you want. But if you're in a place where there's 20 other professionals just on your street alone, then that's going to impact on your price because everyone's competing in a much tougher environment. So that's the supply side. You have to consider supply uh, as part of your pricing. And so one of the ways that we can counteract that is think about, well, how, what can we provide as solutions? What can we do that's different where there's nobody else in, the, in our area actually doing this? What services could you offer that are done that nobody else in your town are offering? Because when you do that, you can charge higher prices. Uh, so let's give some more examples. Uh, willingness to pay is an important factor as well. Everybody has a different willingness to pay. Economists call this the, the buyer's reservation price. Every customer is willing to pay different prices. And so one of the things we have to be aware of is, uh, is, is how can we start to understand what that might be? What is the customer's willingness to pay? And I guess the holy grail with pricing, the holy grail with pricing is, can we figure out what the maximum willingness to pay is? What's the most money a customer is willing to pay for your service? And let me come back to that point in a short while because there are ways to do that. There's some good news that comes out of this. There are ways to do that. And that should be your holy grail to try and figure out what is the maximum willingness to pay. Uh, now, another thing that impacts on price is the availability of substitutes. Economists talk a lot about elasticity, price elasticity, uh, which basically talks about, it's about how susceptible to change in pr uh, is price compared to change in supply and demand. And there's all sorts of factors that impact on elasticity, uh, one of which is substitutes. So in other words, how easy is it for the customer to buy something else instead that, that will do the same job? And that impacts on price. Uh, another thing that might impact on price is, and it shouldn't do, but it could be your costs, the costs and the scope of the work. Actually, even more important when it comes to pricing is the value. You can, the more you can figure out ways to add more value to what you do, the higher the price that you can charge. An accountant that, for example, has a, uh, does year-end compliance work and that's what they do as part of the service. They just do the compliance work, will command one type of price. But if the other client down the road, the other accountant down the road does a compliance service where they also, as part of the compliance work, do a particular piece of tax planning that typically saves their clients $50,000 in tax every year, they can command a higher price because they are creating more value. 
And so if you want to get higher prices, then think about how can you create that more value? Okay, I've got a couple of other things I want to talk about uh, before we get into the good news. But let's just look at an example and uh, a kind of topical example about how some of these factors can influence on prices. So at the moment, as an accounting firm, we tend to do things that there's like tax returns, bookkeeping, cash flow forecasting, and many people do that. Uh, and sometimes we make the mistake of looking at the competition to use that to determine the price. But what would happen if we created something where it's totally new? There's nobody else doing it. So let's imagine that you created the cure to a virus. And when almost nobody had heard of it, other than a few people in China, imagine you created a, a cure for COVID-19 on the, the 1st of January 2020. And you want to start going to market with that. You would probably find that very few people be interested. And so the price that you could charge for that would be extremely small. You'd struggle to find it because nobody's heard of that particular issue. Nobody heard of COVID-19 bar a few people in China. But what if three months later, you then went to market with that? What sort of price would you get? And it would be a completely different price that you could command if nobody else has created the same cure. And so that's the supply of demand kicking in. But then let's imagine another month or two later that somebody else has found the formula and now there are a thousand other firms who now have created the same, the same product, the same cure for the virus. Now the price comes down completely. So there are so many things that factor into this that it's impossible, it's impossible to know at any point in time what is the right price. Now, a couple more factors are, I mentioned the last one was value, building the value. But there's another side to that we have to be careful of, and that is, and something that really affects us in our profession, is that unfortunately, in our profession, a lot of our clients don't understand what we do. They don't see value in what we do. They don't see the value of bookkeeping. They don't see the value of doing their tax return. And so we have to be aware of something called the perception of value. It's not the value that you create that's actually really important when it comes to your pricing. It's not the value. It's your client's perception of value. And that's where the real magic is because perceptions is their internal feelings of what you do, how that affects them. And so what we can do is we can manage perceptions of value and there's many techniques that we can use. So we can, we can use different communication techniques. We can use price psychology. We can use the laws of influence. We can use many, many techniques to better communicate what our value is. And when we, better, when, we, when we are better at communicating value, what happens is willingness to pay goes up. People will be willing to pay more money for exactly the same service. Exactly the same. You don't have to change the service. You have to change the way that you package it, that you communicate it, the words that you can use. The way you communicate your value impacts on willingness to pay, which will, of course, impact on the price that you can charge. Linked to that is then your pricing and sales process. What's the process that you go through when you talk to a client or a potential client? Because the process that you go through, the words that you use, the structure, the way that you build up the value has a huge impact on that perception of value, has a huge impact on maximum willingness to pay. And so let me kind of summarize some of this stuff into one thing, and then we'll get into the good news. And that is that what makes this particularly hard with pricing is that, unfortunately, 
everybody values things differently. And as my friend Ron Baker uh, says, you must price the customer, not the service. You're not pricing tax returns. You're not pricing bookkeeping. You're pricing each individual customer individually because each individual customer is willing to pay a different price. And so we have to figure out ways to do that. Well, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. And of course, we're not done yet. But before we continue, if you're looking for more free training and help, here are three things you can do. First, connect with me on LinkedIn. Tell me you listen to my podcast and I'll send you some links to some free resources. Next, be sure to visit my YouTube channel containing hundreds of training videos. Hit the subscribe button and the bell to get notified when I upload new content. And join my Facebook group, Value Pricing with Mark Wickersham, and be part of a community of accounting professionals getting better at pricing. Okay, let's continue. So let's turn to the good news, because the bad news is, and this is the really bad news, the really bad news is this. Right now, the prices you're charging are wrong. Okay, you're charging the wrong prices. And you know that because you're working crazy hard right now and not making enough money. Your prices are wrong. They're probably too low. In, in most of the accounting profession I know of, most people I talk to, their prices are too low. However, here's the good news. The good news is that whilst your pricing is wrong and whilst you'll never know what the right price is, there is always a better price there will always be a better price than you're currently charging. A price that will get you a better quality of client, more business, and make more profit. And so the question is, how do we find that better price? How do we get to that better price? And I want to share with you some strategies, some ideas, things that you should be doing in your business. How do we get those better prices? And really the core of this and the most important thing, and I'll probably mention it a few times because all the ideas I'll share with you all come back this one thing. If you want to get better prices, then it's all about testing. You have to keep testing. You have to continually change your price. You have to keep testing and measuring, testing and measuring. And then when you see that a different price gets a better result, when you've measured it, you can then start to use that as the new price and then start to test against that. This is essentially what's going on in the airline industry. They are changing the prices continuously because they're constantly testing different prices because they want to maximize the revenue they make on every single flight that takes place. So you have to continually test. And that's something that as a, as a profession, our profession, we're not very good at. The number of times I speak to accounting professionals, bookkeepers particularly, where I say to them, when did you last change your price? And the answer I sometimes, I sometimes hear more often than you might expect. I get people say, oh, it's about five years since I last changed my prices. That's incredible. Okay. It's crazy because we have to keep changing. We have to keep testing and all the time. Think about the airline industry. They're doing it daily. Every five years, that's crazy. You must, as an absolute minimum, change your price every single year. And the thing is, the more you change your price, the easier it gets. The longer you leave it, the harder it gets. If you haven't changed your price for five years, you now have a very difficult conversation with your clients. And the trouble is, the longer you leave it, the harder it'll get. The more you put it off, it's just going to get worse. We have to deal with this. We have to keep changing prices. However, when you do change your prices frequently, what an interesting thing that happens, when you change your price frequently, 
your customers get used to that. And it's no longer a surprise. It's a bit like once a year in the winter, I get my new bill from the local council for water rates. And every year it goes up. And it's not a surprise because it comes out every year. There's no surprise when that arrives through the letterbox because it's just the way that it works. We all know as customers that flights are going to change all the time, that the price the price today is going to be different tomorrow. And we also know that when we jump on a flight, that the person in the seat next to us and the person behind and the person in front of us all pay different prices. We know that, we accept that. So when we start to change our prices frequently, our clients will get used. That becomes the, nor- the new norm. So some of the things that you, you want to do is make sure that you get into the habit of increasing prices with your existing clients. And if you haven't done that for more than a year, start to do that now. Start to put in place a plan to change your prices. But what you also want to do is remember testing is critically important. You have to test and measure. One of the things I would recommend you don't do, particularly after listening this, listen to this, is go and email all of your clients tomorrow and say, right, we're putting our price up by 20% because you might find you get some bad reactions. You might find you lose some clients. What you want to do is test and measure. So come up with a strategy for how you're going to change your prices with your clients and then roll it out over a period of time where it might be over the next year, you take a twelfth of your clients, you take a proportion, it might be over six months, a sixth of your clients, and you, you increase the price, you change the price, and then you see what happens. You measure the results. How many people did you seek to change the price in the last four weeks? What was the reaction you got? How many accepted that price straight away with no question? How many queried it? How many left as a result? And look at that, and you might find, okay, I put my price up by 20%, 10% left, that's a good result because you're making more money with less work. But equally, you might find that the opposite happens. And so what you then do in the subsequent month is you change your, you change your, your plan. You change it. Maybe that if you're getting lots of people complaining, you then with the next batch of clients test a smaller price rise. If you're getting no reaction, if nobody leaves, higher price rise. You keep testing. Keep testing. Another thing that you can do and I talk about this a lot, you've probably heard this before, is give clients choices. Let them choose. Because what you will find is, remember, everybody values things differently. And you don't know how much they're going to value something. Remember, pricing is a feeling. There's no formula behind that number. They're going to take your price and turn into a feeling. And so we don't know how they'll react to your price whether they'll say, that's crazy, I'm never working with you, I'm going back to the firm down the road, or whether they might think, wow, that's less than I was expecting. I will, I'll buy that service. You don't know. So what you want to do is give them choices. Make sure you always give choices. That might be choices like menu pricing, have a bronze, silver, gold. But it could be more sophisticated. It could be that you let clients choose between all sorts of factors. Just like going back to the airline industry, if you go on to some of the low-budget airlines and you book your flight ticket, they ask a whole bunch of questions. Would you like speedy boarding? Uh, would you like a meal on the plane? Uh, would, you like, uh, would you like the fast track service when you go through customs at the end? Uh, they ask you these questions because what they're doing is it's not because they're nice people wanting to just let people 
have those extra things, there's a price attached to them all. And what happens is each individual, each individual customer will choose different things based on their perception of value, based on what they're willing to pay. It's another strategy that the airline industry uses extremely well, particularly the low-budget airlines like EasyJet, to get to maximize profitability. Next thing that you can do, the third thing you want to do is get into the habit of increasing your prices every single year. And what you do is you manage expectations by building it into your fixed price agreements, your proposals, your engagement letters. So make sure that whenever you've agreed a price with somebody, for, particularly for recurring work like bookkeeping, annual financial statements, tax returns, payroll, then what you should absolutely do is build into that both in writing and the verbal communication when you're talking to the client and say, this price is for the next 12 months. This is what we do. At the end of month 10, we get together and we'll talk about what will happen next year and agree a price for next year. Just by setting out in writing right at the outset means you've built in the expectation in the client's mind. They know what's going to happen. By the end of month 10, sometime in month 11 or so, you'll be calling them to fix up a meeting or phone call to talk about what they might want in year two, what might be the right solution, and it'll be a brand new price. So we just build expectations in as part of our communication. Fourth idea is I talk a lot about menu pricing, having a bronze, silver, gold. It's a great process for testing because let's imagine you have a tax return service and you have your bronze, silver, gold version of a tax return. What you can then find by measuring is whenever you present your tax return solutions to your clients and prospective clients, some will choose the cheapest one, some will choose the middle option, and some will choose the most expensive. And so what you can then do is after a period of time, once you've got some data, perhaps 10, 15, 20 sets of people have bought a tax return, start to look at what proportion by the cheapest one what proportion by the middle one? What proportion by the most expensive? And based on that, you can start to learn about pricing. So for example, imagine you offer a service with three options and the first 10 people you approach, they all choose the premium, the most expensive. Now, you might celebrate because it may be you've never used menu pricing before and now people are choosing to pay you more money and you're thinking, yep, I've got this one sussed. No. If you find that you're offered 10 to 10 people and 10 people choose the premium, then great, you've got a good price, but it tells you something very clearly. If everybody chooses the most expensive one, they would have paid you more money, and so you've left money on the table. That's the bad news. The good news is we can learn from this because we've tested, we've measured. If you're finding that as a pattern, then that's now telling you that what you might want to do is make your, your bronze the new premium and then create a super premium and a more expensive one. And then either people will carry on buying the same level, but it's now the cheapest one, but paying you the same money, or they might now go to an even more expensive one. So we can learn when we use menu pricing by just testing over time what proportion of people buy different amounts. If you go into Starbucks to buy a latte, you know they're going to offer you different choices. The grande is the middle one, the tall, which is the small one for some bizarre reason, and then the venti, which is the really stupidly big one. I can guarantee that what Starbucks do is they measure the proportion of each that are sold, and then they use that measurements to test their prices. So there's four strategies that you should be using. Increase your current prices now with your existing clients, but 
test it over time. Give them choices, give them options. Also, remember number three, change your prices at least every single year and build in expectations right at the outset in your agreement. And number four, anything where you have menu pricing, a bronze, silver, gold, any service, get into the habit of measuring. What proportion are people buying? And then look at that and say, okay, what conclusion can I take from that? If everyone's buying the expensive one, you need to change something. You're too cheap. If, of course, everyone's buying the cheapest one, then there's something you're doing wrong there. It may be not the price that's wrong, but you're not communicating or there's not enough value in the more expensive options. And so we have to go back and change not the price, but perhaps the way we add value, the way we communicate value. Ultimately, of course, going back to uh, where we started, how to know when your prices are correct. You will never know when they're correct because everybody values things differently. And things are changing continuously. Supply, demand, people's willingness to pay. The world's changing so fast. You will never know when your prices are right. In fact, your prices will never be right. There is no such thing as the right price. That's the bad news. The good news is there's always a better price. Whatever you're charging right now, there's a different price point you can charge, which will make you more money. And if you want to make more money, then what you need to do is build in some processes so you keep testing, keep changing your prices, because that's the fastest way to make more money. Get your pricing, get your pricing better. Keep improving your pricing. Now, the final point I want to make is, If you keep putting your prices up, will you sometimes go too far? Will you sometimes lose too many clients? Will you sometimes find that you perhaps are losing business? Absolutely, yes. Sometimes you might push the envelope too far. But if you don't push the boundaries, push the envelope, if you keep your prices the same as you have done for the last five years, then nothing's going to change. In fact, you'll probably find you're working harder and harder for less money because the world's changing. You cannot stand still. If you stand still, you'll make less money. You'll work harder. You have no choice. You have to keep testing and pushing the boundaries. Occasionally, you might go too far with putting the price up. You might lose some clients. But overall, when you do it right and keep testing and measuring over a staged process, you will increase the profitability of your firm. And if you lose some some clients, that's great. They might not be the right ones. You may find that increasing your price by 20% and losing 20% of clients is a good outcome because you still make the same money, but you free up Fridays. Okay, that's my thoughts on how to know when your prices are correct. Well, that's all for today's episode. If you want to learn more about value pricing, you can join my Facebook group, Value Pricing with Mark Wickersham. It's a community of thousands of accounting professionals. If you want to take things to another level, you can enroll in the Value Pricing Academy or one of my other academies. Find out more when you head to www.wickersham.co.uk. Members of the Value Pricing Academy learn how to price better, how to master business advisory, and how to build more successful and enjoyable accounting firms. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Value Pricing Podcast. See you soon.